Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. last couple of weeks, we talked about why we can't hear from God. We've talked about why it's important to hear from God. And now we're going to start to talk about how God speaks to us. And today, we're actually going to look at the primary way that God speaks is the Bible. The Bible is the primary way to hear from God. And so this is why you need to make sure that we talk about uh, spending time with the Lord, spending time doing devotions and stuff like that. Because if we understand that his primary way to speaking to us is through this, then we need to be spending time reading it and spending time with the Father. And so we're going to talk about the different ways that he speaks to us through his word. But the first one is this, that God speaks to us through scripture in two different ways. He talks to us through scripture in two different ways. All right, God speaks to the people in the Bible two different ways. First off, he speaks what we call universally, to everybody. So you can read a scripture and go, this is for everybody. This is for you, this is for me, this is for the person beside you, this is for your neighbor, this is for everybody that reads it. And then we also understand that God speaks to us personally, to an individual person with a specific message or a specific situation at that time. And so he will speak to us through his word with a very specific way to an individual, and it's not necessarily for everybody. And so the English, in our English Bibles, as we look at the Bible, we have two Greek words that translate the, the word word. Follow that one? We have two, two Greek words that translate into our word. And we've talked about this, so we're going to walk through this fairly quickly. We've talked about it the last few weeks. The first one is logos. And the Logos word is a word for everybody. It's a scripture. This is the written word of God. And the Logos word, there's three times where it's like personified and amplified to be Jesus. And we see this in John 1.1. And it says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That is referencing Jesus. Jesus is the word. And then in John 1.14, it says this, The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. He's talking about Jesus dwelling among us. And this is where it's being revealed to us that it's Jesus. Hebrews 1, 1 1-2 says this, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, giving us a fresh word. And so the rest of the time when it's talking about the word, the logos, when it's not referring to Jesus, basically what it's saying is what God has said or has to say to us. It's a generalization speaking to everybody. And so this is the word of God to everybody. So we read this in like uh, Genesis to Revelations, the whole Bible. It's written to everybody. The Ten Commandments, it's for everybody. The Sermon on the Mound and so on. These things are meant for everybody. And we have to understand that this is meant for everybody, so it's because it's foundational to understand that the scriptures were written for everybody as we step into another type where the word of God is the rhema word, and we've talked about this before. The rhema word of God is to you personally. 
It's a revelation. It's a speaking directly to you. It's a specific message given for a specific person at a specific time. So it's how the scripture speaks to you in a certain moment at a certain time, and it is uh, speaking directly to you. It's where it takes the scriptures and almost like makes it explode off the page, where you're like seized by the Spirit of God in the word that you're reading. And the Holy Spirit, he does this. This is his job to make the scriptures apply to our lives, and he does it dynamically. And what we, you hear people say, the living word of God. The Holy Spirit makes it come alive because it's a fresh rhema word, a fresh revelation. And when he does this, when he takes the logos word of God and he applies it into a rhema word, this is what we call, and we talked about this last week, the illumination of scripture. He illuminates it to us. If you're not following me, let's, let's talk about it this way for a minute. If I said right now to everybody in the room and everybody online, I love you. Well, just want you to know, that's a true statement. I love you. I love all of you. And so now, if Melissa was in the room, would she be included in that statement? Yes. Would it mean anything really to her besides what it means to you? No. But now, if she was here and I walked over to her and I whispered into her ear softly, There should be a different response. I hope there's a different response. I hope like her heart starts pounding and she's so excited and she's like, (gasps) why is it only ladies in the room laughing at that? You're not supposed to laugh at that because when your husband whispers in your ear that he loves you, it's personal. And it means something different than if I just say to everyone in this room, I love you. It's a specific message to her in the moment with a different meaning than what it means to you. This is a fresh rhema word from God. So it's a difference. There's a distinction between what I'm saying to everybody and what I'm saying to her. It's the same words, but a distinction. And we see this when um, after Jesus, he's baptized and he's led into the wilderness and he's tempted that the Lord is going to give him specific words and how to speak and what to say. And so Matthew 4, 3, it says this. The devil is tempting Jesus, and he says this. If you are the Son of God, command these stones become loaves of bread. Now notice Jesus' response. He says this. It is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here, God is giving Jesus scripture to use to fight against the enemy. But what he's saying when he says it is written, he's quoting scripture. Okay? But when Jesus is quoting scripture, he changes the word. And instead of by every word that comes out of the mouth of God, he's not talking about scripture. He's talking about rhema. It actually translates to rhema. But see, many of us assume because he's quoting scripture, he's talking about scripture, but he's not. He's actually referring to the word of God, a fresh word. And so therefore, it's not that we don't just live on bread alone. We live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And it's not just his written word. It's his fresh rhema word that we need to spend time listening to him. So if Jesus is saying that the Father won't allow it, we have to understand that there's nowhere in scripture that says that Jesus can't turn those stones into bread. So if Jesus is saying, 
that he's not allowed to, where does he get that from? It's the Father speaking to him, and Jesus has always said that he doesn't do anything that he doesn't see the Father doing. So this is where it's, it's um, evidence that the Father has set up these tests for Jesus so that he begins to understand how to listen and engage. Because see, what we have to realize is the first temptation is a valid one because he's already gone through 40 days of fasting. So the father didn't want Jesus to break this fast. He didn't want him to break this. And so that he sends this test to him, this this tempting to him, so that he will pass. But he uses scripture to beat it. Jesus claimed to live his life like that. That he lived in full submission to what was the father stated to the father's will. Whatever the father did, that's what Jesus did. This is what he has said. In John 5, 19, it says... The son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So therefore, Jesus has to know what the father is doing. So he spends time with him. He has the fresh rhema. He knows the scriptures, and he's able to walk through this. So here's how the reason that we need to understand that God speaks directly to us is because knowing God speaks to us personally is a key to understanding other matters. If you don't understand that God speaks directly to you, um, it's going to be hard to understand other things. And so when you understand that he speaks directly to you, it's going to personally help you understand other things in your spiritual walk. The first thing is this. It's the key to understanding saving faith. It's the key to understanding saving faith that God speaks directly to you. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Now what we have to understand as we read this, that there's two grammatical matters that are happening here, where it says the word, okay? Where it says hearing through the word, Okay, it actually, the way they've um, articulated this, the way they've written it, there's no other place in the Bible that it's showing this way. And so they've had to kind of piece it together. And the way it actually should be read is our word of Christ, not the word of Christ. And so this makes a difference because the word could refer to the written word of God, right? Right? The word would refer to this. If I said to you, oh, you need to read the word, you're going to immediately go, oh, the word of God is the scriptures. But here it should actually be translated to our word of Christ because that way, um, when it says our word of Christ, it doesn't have to mean scripture. Our word. Our word from Christ could be a fresh revelation And what you have to realize is the second grammatical thing here is word, in this context, the Greek is actually rhema. So a rhema word, a rhema of Christ. A rhema of Christ makes it understanding that this is a fresh word of Christ. So when we take these two grammatical matters together, you can see that Paul is referring to something different than the written word of God the written scriptures. He's not saying that that it's only on that. What he's saying is that it's a a 
word, a fresh word, a rhema word from God. And when we begin to see this, we begin to understand it when we look at other people's lives. When you hear testimonies, um, people who don't even know the scriptures, or they hear some preaching, and all of a sudden, they have a personal witness. Something comes along. It's a dream or a vision. Hear of many stories of, especially like Muslims overseas, where all of a sudden, this person stands before them. And it's Jesus talking about his love for them, and all of a sudden they come into a relationship with him, but they haven't read the scriptures. This is a revelation of who God is. He reveals himself. And it brings a conviction within the spirit of the person. And there's nothing less than a personalized word of Christ, a rhema word for an individual. If God has spoken directly to you, you know, and it changes your life. If somebody speaks to you with a prophetic word and it speaks so directly, it changes your faith level. A personalized word to an individual brings with it faith. It begins to stir up in you a new level of understanding and the opportunity to believe and repent and be saved. Second, it's a key to understanding faith to act and obey. When we know that the Lord speaks to us, it's a stirring up of faith for us to act and obey. See, the Bible doesn't make a distinction between uh, distinction and faith. It's all the same. It's all the same. Faith works all the way together. So if you believe that Christ is in your heart and he is the only way to the Father so that you have faith, you also have faith to be saved. But then if you believe that Christ is in your heart about what he wants you to do, you have the faith faith to do what he's asked you to do. It doesn't separate. It's not like, well, I have faith to be saved, but I don't know if I have faith to do this. No, it's all the same faith. There's not a difference. For example, Noah built the ark, though he had never seen a flood. Noah built an ark. Why? Because God warned him, and he heard a word from God. And then Hebrews eleven seven says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Noah's never seen an ark before. He'd never seen a flood before. And God warns him, and out of faith, he begins to act and to build this and to work through it. Abraham was told to sacrifice Isaac, and he went and obeyed. The walls of Jericho fell when the Israelites marched around them because God commanded. So when God spoke to them, they immediately took his fresh word, his word of direction, and obeyed him and began to walk and do what they've asked him to do. But here's the thing. You can't simply do what they did because God didn't say it to you personally. So even though there's a promise in here, even though God's given instruction, it doesn't, those instructions don't apply to you because it's a direct word to them. So look at the story of Peter walking on the water. The disciples were out on a boat, and Jesus came to them, and Peter says to him, tell me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus gives Peter a fresh rhema word, a specific word, and says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking on the water, and it's when he takes his eyes off of Jesus, it begins to sink. But do you notice something in scriptures? No one else got out of the boat. It's not because they lacked faith. Maybe, maybe they're a little bit nervous. 
But when Peter got out and started walking on the water, you didn't see John go, that's cool. They waited. They stayed. Because it wasn't a specific word for anybody else. Peter said, if, if it's you, tell me to come. Come. It was this word specifically for Peter in a specific moment because notice from there on out, when Peter went out fishing, what did he go out in? He went out in a boat. He didn't just go walking. So even though Peter walked on water, he didn't do it every day. And so you can pray and ask God for these things, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it just because it happened in the scriptures. Specific words for specific people at specific times. And this is where faith and understanding speaks to us directly, helps us to understand when to obey and when to act. Because it leads into the third key, and it's the key to claiming God's promises to us. Claiming God's promises to us. There are over 700 different promises in the Bible. Some of them are universal in nature. They're for every one of us, but not all are for all of us. So some of them are universal, but not all of them are. So you can only claim a promise when it's a rhema word, a specific word to us personally, not a logos word. Not every promise in Scripture is meant for everybody. Here's some examples, real fast. Just so you know, Sarah was 90, Abraham was 99 when God said, Sarah, you're going to have a baby. So not for everyone in the room that's 90, anybody 90 in the room. Nobody wants to raise their hand right now. They're like, I don't want a fresh rhema word. (laughs) But this doesn't mean, because it happened for Sarah and Abraham at 90 and 99, it doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. And most of you would say, thank you, Lord. So what we have to realize is just because it was promised, it doesn't mean it's for all of us. This here, it's written for us to read, it's written for us to understand, and it's in the Logos word, but it's God's general word to all of us. It wasn't a promise for all of the ladies in the room all the time. It was for Sarah. When God speaks to you personally, it's for you, and you can act on it. When his word is specific for every, when it's not a specific word and it's for everyone else, it doesn't mean that it's meant for you to grab onto Without a personalized promise, rhema from the Lord, you and I have no right to claim it. I know that's challenging because then you have to sort out what's, what's, for, what's for everybody, what's for me. But you can read through it and understand and spend time with the Lord and ask him, is this promise for everybody? And I know some people are like, no, no, we can claim all the promises But even when you think that, you're still very specific on what you claim because you're not claiming the promise for Sarah. So you already know that some of them are meant for everybody and some of them are meant for specific people in the Bible. And so this is where we have to understand that it's not all for all of us. Some of them are meant just for us to read and see what God did and see his power. And then if all of a sudden you're 90 and you're 99 and you're seeking God, still wanting to have a child, and he says, Yes, 
then that promise is for you, but it doesn't mean it's for somebody else. Promises are very specific. And when they're specific, they also then go into key number four. It's the key to understanding answered prayers. Sometimes we're trying to claim promises and pray into things that aren't meant for us, and then we get frustrated and discouraged because God's not answering our prayers. That's why um, in John 15, 7, it says this, If you remain in me and my words, the rhema word, remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. So if you've received a rhema word from God, you ask for it and it will be given to you. If it's not a rhema word and it's just a word, a promise that's written in Scripture, but it was written for a specific person in Scripture and you're trying to claim it and you're getting frustrated, it could be because you're not actually hearing what God is speaking to you and you're trying to claim something that's not yours. So this is why it helps us understand answered prayers. Once again, Rhema, not Logos. If you continue in my personalized word, you will have prayers answered. So when people read that God healed somebody or did something for someone in the Bible, we begin to pray and we begin to pray, and we still have tremendous faith, but sometimes something doesn't happen, and we get angry at God. Why didn't you hear my prayers? But he promised that you could ask whatever you wish, and it would be given to you. But God didn't promise that all of your prayers would be answered. Honestly, I wish he did. I wish that all of my prayers would be answered. I wish that when we prayed for something, it was just a yes. But how many parents in the room know that you don't say yes to everything your kids ask for? And why don't you? Because you actually know more than they do. Did you hear that, kids, teenagers? (laughs) Especially if you're at home, did you hear that? Even ones in the room, your parents actually do know more than you do. And you will understand that when you're 40-some years old. But they know more. They see a bigger picture. Why do they see a bigger picture? Because they've lived longer than you. They're older than you. Even though you tease them for their age, it comes with wisdom. And it's the same with the Father. Melissa talked about it in one of our table talks, that we look at a puzzle with just a couple pieces, and God sees the whole puzzle. And so we have to understand that when he, if he doesn't answer a prayer for us, it's actually a good thing. Garth Brooks said he thanks God for unanswered prayers. And there's many times where we should too. Because how many people in the room would honestly just speak for a minute? Maybe don't speak because your kids are sitting with you. But if he answered prayers the way you wanted them to be prayed, you would have been married to somebody else. And now you look back and go, thank you, Lord, for unanswered prayers. He knows what's best. And he only promises He only promised that things personally promised could be assured when prayed for. And even then, if we're truthful in our walk with the Lord, in our journey with faith, it's always his timing, not ours. And his timing, for me, never feels like the right timing. 
but it always works out to be the right timing. And so we need to trust and realize that when he gives you a promise, as long as you follow and be obedient in what he's asked you to do, it will come to pass. And so be close to him, connected to him in the vine so you hear the fresh rhema word so you can speak it and declare it and pray it and receive it. The fifth is the key to receiving guidance from the Lord. Guidance from the Lord. And I spoke to you last week about this of where I applied for a retail job and God gave me a direct dream. So I didn't pursue it anymore. He will give you guidance. John 16, 13 says this, but then he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will reveal to you the guidance, the direction that you're supposed to walk in. I still remember clear as day that when Melissa and I were interviewing for our positions here, we had finished the interview process and we were offered the position and we were praying about it. And we said, you know what, let's go to the church and take in a service to see what the atmosphere is like. And I remember we came and we sat right in the second back row just over there. And I remember standing at the back and Melissa and I prayed the whole time and we just said, Lord, we don't care what the service looks like. We don't care what the service, um, the way it operates or what they do. Lord, we just want to feel your presence. And Holy Spirit, if we feel your presence, then we know this is where we're supposed to be. And I remember standing right back there and worshiping and during the worship service and, and there was a prayer time. And as I was just standing there, I remember asking Holy Spirit, just simply, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me your presence? And in that moment, I had to fight to stay on my feet. I felt like I was going to fall back into my seat because of his presence. And so we were supposed to give our answer on the Wednesday, whether we were coming or not. And we went out for lunch right after the service with uh, Pastor Charlie and Grace. And we told them right there at lunch that we were coming. We'll accept the position. Because we felt the guidance and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you and give you direction when you spend time with him. So knowing God speaks to us personally is so key. In number six, it's the key to meditation. It's the key to meditation, meditating on the word of God. God told Joshua that in his future, if, for his future to be successful, it was not found in his leadership skills or his discipline. It was actually found if he could meditate on the scriptures day and night. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. At first, this really doesn't make sense because Joshua spent his time with, um, with Moses. And because of the way they were raised, Joshua would have already known the law. From Genesis to Deuteronomy, he would have known it probably better than almost anybody else. They have to memorize it when they were young. And then he had spent 40 years serving with Moses and studying the word of God with Moses. But here, it wasn't a general biblical knowledge. He wasn't saying uh, meditate on the word day and night. It was Joshua needed a direct personal rhema to be able to be successful in leading the army. He needed to know the voice of God so he could lead the army. It was Joshua who received the instructions about marching around Jericho. That wasn't found in Scripture. 
We find it in Scripture because it's recorded there for us. But before then, those instructions, this idea of marching around a city once every day for six days and then on the seventh day go seven times, that wasn't written down anywhere. There was no game book. No, there's no playbook. God spoke to him directly, and this is what God was speaking to him, is you need to learn to meditate day and night so that I could speak to you and give you instruction, give you rhema. So we need, every one of us in this room, everyone online, we need a general knowledge of this right here. We need a general knowledge of understanding of what Scripture says. The better knowledge you have, the best it can be. Study the Word of God so that you can recognize truth from error. You need to be able to know the word of God so when the enemy tempts you, because he will tempt you using scripture, he will take it and twist it, he will manipulate it so that you will um, go a direction you're not supposed to. But if you understand the knowledge of scripture, you're able to go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. If you have people around you to walk with you and mentor you and guide you, even peers, just to talk about the word of God with each other, he will give you an understanding of the word so that you can make sure that you're not leading in a different way. But we need to do this through meditating on his word. And this is why we, we need to ponder his word. We need to prayfully think about it. We need to listen. Or some of us will even say, if you're on a farm, we need to chew on it. We need to take time to meditate on the scriptures. So what does that mean? Every day, read as much scripture as you can. No. Read until, you, until something jumps off the page at you. Read until something, a revelation comes to you that makes your heart jump. And once you receive it, it could, you, one day you could read three chapters, one day you could read three verses. But the moment it speaks to you, stop there and meditate on the Word of God. Use it throughout the day. Take, open up your Bible, open up your app, uh, open up your phone and say, God, what are you speaking to me right now in this moment? When we ponder and when we listen to the word of God, this is where it will come alive to you. And it takes on a personal meaning and application in your life. It becomes exciting. It becomes living. This is where you hear some people will talk about the scriptures. It jumped off the page. It grabbed me. It's because the revelation, the Holy Spirit is poking you as you're reading. That's why you could read the same passage of scripture every day for a week and underline something new every day. Because the Holy Spirit just goes, oh, oh, oh. That's why if you look through your Bible and you see underlining, and all of a sudden you go, how did I miss this? How is this not underlined? Because it's coming alive in a new way. You feel and know that you're being personally addressed when it comes alive to you. So hearing God is the key to saving grace to receiving faith to act, to claiming God's promises, to understanding answered prayers, to receiving guidance. And it's the key to meditation. It's no wonder that Jesus said that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for speaking to us directly. Lord, I pray that you stir in our hearts this understanding of who you are. That, Father God, everyone in this room, you want to speak directly. You want to take your word and make it a living word for them. 
And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone in this room and online watching that as they begin to read their word, that they ask you first, Holy Spirit, speak to me in a new way. Speak to me and encourage me and challenge me. And as they begin to read your word, that Holy Spirit, you will make it come alive, that it will jump off the page, it will grab them, and that they'll have a fresh understanding of how you speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's look at our homework this week. I hope you're actually doing your homework. I actually hope that you are trying to memorize these scripture verses so that you can build up who you are and it will put the scriptures into you. And so this week's homework is Romans 10, 17, and it says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so here's what I want you to talk about this afternoon on your way home. If you're a teenager in the room or you're a young person in the room, just so you know, you can start this conversation. If your parents aren't doing it, why don't you start the conversation and ask these questions. What stood out to you in today's message? What stood out to you in today's message? It's a simple question. It's going to be the first question every time. It just begins a conversation. And the second one is this. Knowing God speaks to us personally is key to understanding other matters. What are two of the keys that have helped you the most? See, now you're sitting here going, oh, I should have took notes. I don't remember two of the keys. That's okay. You can go back and watch it online. And number three, share of a time when God asked you to do something and you obeyed and did it. Share of a time when God asked you to do something and you obeyed and did it. So I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank you for um, being here this morning. And I pray that God will bless you, that he will use you, and he will direct you. And so God bless you and have an incredible week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 